Good morning. It is a good morning. Let's declare that this is a good morning. It is Monday, March something teenth. I don't even know what the date is, but it is full on coronavirus craziness. And I'm not going to try to dwell on this a whole lot, but I at least need to acknowledge it. It's pretty nutso. I mean, it's. I used to be a missionary in Venezuela, and so I'm used to being seeing rationing and all the stores completely empty, but not here, <laughs> not here. And it's a little, I don't know, it's a little surreal to see it all. But man alive, don't panic. God is God. Faith in God means faith in God, not in what you see, not in the panic, not in a disease, not in a pandemic. No, it's faith in God. It's trust in God. And if you trust only in what you can have in your hands at any time that you're going to run out of toilet paper, oh boy, I'm praying for you. Trust me, I love you with the love of the Lord Jesus. But repent. Seriously, repent. God provides for us day after day after day. And it does not depend on us. It does not depend on us. He is our provider, not us. He is our security and our strength, not how much toilet paper we have or how much food we have. Only he is the one that provides for everything that we need. Lest I remind you of the parable of the rich fool who had a really great harvest. He made bumper crop and he said, aha, what am I gonna do? I can't fit all this in my store bonds. I'll tear them down and I'll make bigger storehouses. I'll make a bigger pantry. I'll make a bigger storage unit. I'll make a bigger closet, a bigger house. And I'll throw everything I can in there. And then I'll say to my soul, soul, you're happy. You're good. You got everything you want. Just sit back, relax, and ride this on through. And God said, fool, this very night, your life is required of you. Because this is how God is going to treat the people who are rich only towards themselves and not towards others. So, this is a very friendly reminder. We need to trust God. God watches over us. He provides for all of us. And he uses us to help provide for others. Do not use that as an excuse to go and buy more than you need. But if you do have anything, share with the people that don't have. Okay? Alright, thank you. Now that I got that on my system, let's talk about baptism. (laughs) All right, so the third thing on our list in the basics, the fundamentals, coming out of Hebrews 6, is uh, the doctrine of baptism. Now, there are some things that are pretty divisive within the church and within denominations specifically, and even across the Protestant, Catholic, Orthodox divide. Um... And this is one of them. And if you think I'm going to fall in some place that's going to create more division, I'm not. What I'm going to try to do is create better understanding. Because there's some things I grew up with and I thought, why? That's silly. Why are they doing that? And then I learned, it's like, oh, that's why they're doing that. So we're going to talk about this a little bit. I'm not going to be trying to say, hey, this is it. If you're not doing it this way, then... Well, who knows? In any case, I'm just going to try to create some better understanding and a little bit more of deepening what does it mean to be baptized and, uh, and go from there. So, if I say something that offends you, that bothers you, says, oh my goodness, this is heresy, 
I apologize, okay? I'm, again, I'm not a perfect human being, but I am trying to, nor am I a perfect theologian, nor do I know everything that God uh, knows. I do not. I am imperfect. So I'm just trying to help people understand a little bit what the basics are. So someone who has never, ever, ever come across this at all can come into this and be like, aha, this is what is important. So, um, forgive my phone is chirping. I had to turn the mute off the other day and it's too late to turn it off now. So in any case, baptism, baptism is a transliteration, which means that the word from Greek is bautizo or bautisma or something like that. And it basically is the same word in Greek as it is in English. We adopted this word. So, um, this word means what it means in Greek, which just means to dip. Now, that can be seen in lots of different places. We see this a lot in the New Testament. Baptisms all over the place in the New Testament. There are some symbolisms towards baptism in the Old Testament, but this seems to be more of a New Testament type of thing. One of the first occurrences of baptisms, obviously, in the New Testament is with John the Baptist. And he's out there baptizing a baptism of repentance. And we've talked about repentance and what he was talking about. Hey, okay, if you got two rolls of toilet paper, give it to one who doesn't have one. Uh, that, that type of thing. Taking a contextualized a little bit. So uh, he's out there calling people to repent and to stop doing evil, to start doing good, and prepare themselves because the day of the Lord is following. And one is coming and his winnowing fork in his hand and he's going to baptize you with fire and the Holy Spirit because I, John, only baptize you in water. So I see there's a few different types of baptisms to be going on there. But one, the main one that we seem to be talking about is with water with John. Jesus was baptized with water at the same time right after he was baptized in water. It appears that the Holy Spirit, well, it doesn't appear. We know the Holy Spirit fell upon him. And we hear this voice from heaven, and this is a confirmation of his identity. Um, so this concept of baptism is rooted in John to begin with, and then we see Jesus goes out and his disciples baptize, because it says he didn't baptize. Uh, then we get to Acts, and now we start to see, no wait, before we get to Acts, we have this great commission. And so Jesus, Matthew 28, starts telling his disciples after his resurrection, all right, here's what you got to do. I'm, I'm going but stay in Jerusalem and the Holy Spirit will come upon you in power. And then you'll be my witnesses in all of uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And um, he says, go, or as you go, make disciples of all nations, of all peoples. We're not talking political entities here, but of all uh, people groups. Um, baptizing them teaching them to obey all that I have taught you, not just teaching them, teaching them to obey all that I have, all that I've taught you and baptizing them in the name of the father and the son and the Holy spirit. So we see this baptizing is part of the, the basics. And it makes sense that this is part of the list. This is, this is the thing that this is going to unify now all Christian believers, whether they are of Jewish descent Jerusalem, Judea, of mixed descent, Samaria, ends of the earth, Gentile descent. So now this baptism is, is going to be this unifying act that all of us that confess in Christ are going to have in common with one another. 
we get to Acts and we get to see people go out and baptize and baptize and baptize. Um, this is part of the big thing. So as soon as people are are confessing Christ as their Lord and Savior, as soon as they're repenting, they're getting baptized. Now, typically in the church today, uh, depending which church you go to, um, if you come to Christ, there's typically a gap in time before you get baptized. There's this thought, and I, I understand this thought, and I respect this thought, that you kind of got to know what you're doing. It's it's a really easy thing to go up there and say yes to a prayer and say the prayer and whatnot, but me, you know, there's, who knows? So I think in the general consensus of the evangelical world is we want to see some fruit. We want to see that you're really being real about this before we're going to go there and just and get you in the water. And so that has been the general practice within the evangelical church. However, in Acts, it seems that the general practice is as soon as someone comes to faith in Christ, immediately they're baptized. Immediately. Um, And not just them as an individual, but their entire household, which is kind of a different way of looking at it. Um, Instead of just me as an individual, oh, I heard this, I'm doing it. It's like, no, I heard this, I'm going home. Hey, everybody in my house, you're all part of this too, like it or not. Ta-da! And it wasn't so much like it or not, but people were telling the stories of what happened to them, how God had met them, how they'd been healed, how they'd been restored. And so their entire household, the entire, this unit of people as a whole, were now dedicating themselves to follow Jesus. Um, This is kind of a different way of looking at it, because I think we like to think things as an individual way. However, I would say the great biblical testimony is that God judges us both as individuals and as groups of people, which is scary to people like me, a North American who thinks everything is about the individual. However, the great biblical testimony, as I said, you can go through the Old Testament. God judges nations, peoples, uh, entire groups of people, households, uh, completely. Nonetheless, we do see that he does save individuals from that. Think of Rahab and Jericho for example. Um, so there are exceptions, but it seems on the whole, a lot of people get judged as a group, um, which I think should really try to keep us honest and humble about, oh, I'm doing good, but man, those people over there that are my neighbors, eh, yeah, I don't want them. No, it's like we all have a shared responsibility and a shared, um, culpability before God. Praise God that he forgives us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you forgive us of our sins if we confess and repent. And I feel like sometimes we need to do that corporately a lot more than we do. So uh, we see baptism is now this this mark of everyone that is now beginning to follow Christ. And so this is kind of one of the first initial things they're doing. Um, some other things that happen is later in Acts, we see that, uh, there's this guy named Apollos and he's out there, he's preaching, he's doing all this kind of stuff and people are starting to follow. But interestingly enough, all he knows is the baptism of John. Now he's not in Jerusalem. He's, he's out there, right? He's out there. So somehow John's baptism went beyond, way beyond the borders of Israel and was able to to find this guy and God was using him through it. Nonetheless, when uh, the other uh, converts got there and they saw, hey, whoa, don't you know about Jesus? He's like, tell me about that. So he does, and then he gets, you know, hit with the Holy Spirit. 
And so I feel like there is, people talk about multiple baptisms. You can say a baptism of water, baptism of the Holy Spirit. I think that is a valid way to look at it. Sometimes the infilling of the Holy Spirit happens at baptism. Sometimes it doesn't. And if, if you learn anything from reading Acts, it's that no one can really predict how the Holy Spirit is going to act and move. Um, there are some ways that he tends to prefer that it would appear, but there are no limits on him. And I think that is awesome. <laughs> we can't predict him. That's great. It is a complete move of God. If you want to put God in a box, uh-uh. The Spirit's going to fly right out of that box. It's not going to happen. So, um, so that's that. That's kind of like the general biblical overview of how baptisms happened and what they went to. Paul talks a little about about what they mean. He goes into this in Romans specifically, and this is the whole concept that I was always taught about, the big one, that as we are baptized, we die, and then just as Jesus was buried, we go into the water, and then as he was raised by God, we come out of the water and are now a new life. So this concept of baptism being an old life dies, and a new life begins. And that is uh, in Romans 6 where uh, Paul goes into that. And I think that's, that's a beautiful perspective. I don't know where I heard this, but I, th- I think I know where I heard this. But I heard uh, someone talking about this saying that the word to baptize literally means to drown. I was looking into that and I couldn't find any evidence of that. But I think it is a good concept that if you, if you go into the water and you drowned, then you die. You're done. It's over. Um... And then when you come back, it's something that God has done to raise you back up from the dead and bring you back to life. And now this is a testimony to what God has done in Jesus in this moment of baptism. But it's also uh, a demonstration of what God has done for you. That the old man, this old sinful nature that we've got, has died and now we are a new creature within Christ. That is good and wonderful. I, I approve all of that. So... Where are the issues? Where do some of these, these problems come up? Okay, so let's, let's get into some of these. And uh, First of all, let's talk about child baptism. Many people would say, hey, wait a minute, you, you can't baptize a child. That's, that's wrong. This person has to repent. Uh, they have to make a decision to follow Christ. And if they're too young, then obviously they're not making a decision to do so. Again, I respect that myself. My daughter is seven She's going to church. She's seeing people getting baptized. Thank you, Lord, that we're seeing people getting baptized. And uh, she's she wants to do it. And she tells me, Daddy, I want to get baptized. I said, well, Sophie, when, when you can say the word baptized and not baptized, then maybe we can talk about that. <laughs> so in a sense, yes, I'm kind of following the tradition I grew up in. I, I want her to be able to understand a little bit more what it means to make this commitment towards Jesus. And I know she's done that. I know she's confessed with her mouth that Jesus is Lord. And she believes in her heart that God raised him from the dead. Uh, at the same time, I'm kind of like, uh, I, I want her to be a little bit older. And, and I can't really give a good theological reason why. I, I honestly can't. And maybe I should re-examine that. But it's it's just something I feel, I feel like, it feels like, that I should be giving her another chance to, to get on that. Um, nonetheless here is some of the reason that people would baptize an infant. One I already mentioned, the fact that an entire household got baptized. So if you have an entire household, the head of the household got baptized, and then everyone else in the household would as well, including children or infants that don't really know what's going on. 
So there is part of that because you're saying, as for me and my household, we will follow the Lord. So everybody here and everyone's going to take responsibility for everybody else to do this. We are committing all of ourselves in such a way that uh, all of us as individuals and as a family, including the children, are going to be following Jesus. That's one of the ones. The second one is the concept when we go back and look at circumcision. God gave Abraham this mark. He said, look, this is going to be this thing that sets you apart from the rest of the world, this mark of circumcision. And you're going to do it to every male child that was born on the eighth day after they were born. Uh, An eight-year-old infant has no idea what's happening to them, except that it's going to hurt a lot. Uh, But they're not making any kind of choice about who they're following. They're just born into the family of God, and now this is a mark that is put on them as part of the family of God. Uh, And you could say, okay, now Jesus has given us this mark of baptism to be like, all right, this is what we're all going to be as Christians. This is kind of our mark. This is our testimony of who we are. And therefore, if a child is, is born into a Christian family, then we can go ahead and mark them just as God called out Abraham to mark all of his children in the same way. Okay, yeah, I mean, I, I can respect that. I think that's okay. That, that, that's fine. I can, I can understand that as long as the parents are really, hey, you know, doing that. Um, in the evangelical world, I think we do child dedications. We say, hey, we as parents are going to decide to raise this child as such. We've kind of used that to take the place of a, a child baptism. Um, but nonetheless, I think there is some, some validity to it. Is that completely spelled out in the New Testament? No. Um, is it something like that's, wow, this is something you got to do? Mm, not necessarily. But it, it is there. So I, I'm not going to try to, you know, tear people down. Nonetheless, I would say also within the Catholic tradition and some other traditions, there is something called confirmation. There's, 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 a, there's something that goes on beyond just this baptism, if you were to actually follow it. Um, there's more to it than just, oh, you got baptized as a kid, so now you're, you're good and done. There, there is more that comes on later and, and life is kind of programmed out within the Catholic Church of how you do those things respect. So, um, another issue. Oh, do you have to get full immersed or just sprinkled? And again, this is, uh, one of those things. So one people would say full immersion. It's like, yeah, of course you got to get fully immersed. You got to go John the Baptist. He's in the river. People are getting all the way in the river. Um, so you got to get baptized all the way, full submersion under the water, you know, uh, we'll see that, for example, they'll take examples like uh, the people of Israel crossing the Red Sea were fully baptized. You know, they weren't, they were fully under the water, even though they didn't get wet. Um, <laughs> they passed under the sides of the water that was built up on the sides of them. Uh, we'll talk about how Jesus was buried. So he didn't just get buried, you know, on some parts of his head. He got all the way buried. And so now we got to get all the way under the water and all the way back up. Uh, and I, I respect that symbolism as well. Unless some people say, hey, baptism means dip, but it can also mean this kind of sprinkling as well, because you can talk about how the Holy Spirit was poured out upon us, and so we can pour out water on uh, on folks, and, and they can receive it that way. Listen, the, the, the reality is, if, if you want to find something and, and fight for it and defend, defend it, you can. It's not that hard to do. There's a lot of stuff in the Bible. And so you can, you can use logic to take up any point you want to. I would just say, I don't think it's something that we need to be killing each other over and dividing ourselves over. These, we can have different opinions. That's okay. But, and we can disagree. That's okay. 
Although, even though in Corinthians it says, be of one mind. I don't know if that's ever been possible, <laughs> to be honest. But, uh, in any case, I'm getting on a rabbit trail. But nonetheless, let's at least understand why people have their opinions, listen to them, and then we can, if we continue to disagree, we can disagree, but we can say, hey, I still love you, that's okay. Um, all that to say, I do not find anything in scripture that says, if you do not get fully baptized, you will not go into heaven. I, if you can find that verse for me, please show me that. Okay, and last little bit about baptism. Oh, this fully uh, immersion and sprinkled thing. So, okay, let me tell you a cool story I heard from a missionary uh, from the north of Africa. And if you know anything about north of Africa or even Sahara region, it's full-on desert. There is no water. And if you have water, you drink it. And so if someone's going to get baptized, they would most definitely be sprinkled. Trust me, they would not be fully immersed because no one has that kind of water. That doesn't exist. But he said that when they do baptisms, get this. Guess what they do? They go out in the sand and they dig their own grave. They dig a hole in the ground. They dig their own grave and then they climb down into it. They lay down. They confess Jesus as Lord. And then they climb back out. Ooh. That is pretty darn amazing. I mean, that's, uh, that to me is a serious baptism, <laughs> even though no water is involved. And I'm sure that some people will listen to this and be like, oh, that doesn't count. Well, Lord bless you. But I'm, I think God looks at the heart more than anything else. He's going to look at the heart. And I think if there's anything we need to repent of, of these dead works, it's that, oh yeah, it's only by this way or by that way, or however I set it up. Well, now you, these are things that you're doing with your hands. These are works of man's hands. These are not works of the heart. And so I believe the most important thing is the work of the heart. One thing that is absolutely, absolutely, absolutely crucial, and I think this is, this is fundamental, is that when people get baptized, and Jesus says this very clearly, they're getting baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And there are some people that will say, well, look at Acts. They're only getting baptized in the name of Jesus, nothing else. We got the, the only Jesus Pentecostals out here. And uh, <laughs> I'm, not getting to, I'm not getting into that one right now. But I think the most important thing is to proclaim in whose authority is this baptism taking place. And I think the idea of confessing Jesus as Lord is super, 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 super fundamental in the baptism because we're describing that, okay, my Lord is no longer the world. My Lord is no longer myself. My governing authority is no longer the governing authority. It is now Jesus who acts over me and everything I do is now in submittal to him. He has now become my master. He's become my law. He's become my life. He's become my love. He's become everything and everything to me. And as such, I'm going to serve him every day, every moment, with all my life. Because um, you can just get baptized in the repentance, like, I'm going to stop doing bad, start doing good. And at some point, you're going to need to get baptized again, because you did bad again. But I believe if we trust in Jesus, we trust in the whole completeness of who Jesus is. And that includes his forgiveness, that includes his love, that includes his chastisement, that includes his encouragement to stop doing bad things, to start doing good things. And it's more than encouragement sometimes, (laughs) it's a necessity. So when we declare Jesus as Lord, we're no longer searching for our own things, no longer searching for that which the world thrusts on us, no longer searching for that which anyone else thrusts on us. We're searching for that which God himself has put on us, and we're serving him. 
not my will, but his will be done in our life. That is one of the keys of baptism. We're doing it in Jesus' name as Lord, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, because he is our Lord. Amen. That's really all I got to say about baptism. I'll just close with my own little uh, story. I got baptized when I was 23. It was my last year of college. I got baptized in uh, Grace Church in San Luis Obispo, California. I'm trying to remember if it's called Grace Bible or just Grace. I think it's just Grace. Uh, right there kind of downtown. Not too far from downtown. I forgot the name of the streets. Anyways, look it up. Grace Church. That's where I got baptized. Um... And it was 23, and I had a friend who was in uh, college with me, and he was kind of from a Catholic background, and he was trying to figure out, hey, what do I, uh, you know, I was kind of trying to lead him to faith, and he was starting to come to Bible studies, and so I want to get baptized, and my mom had always hoped that I'd get baptized at the same time as my dad. My dad was not showing any signs of becoming a Christian anytime soon, and I felt this need, I got to get baptized, because I was feeling called to go to the missions, and I was not baptized. I was like, I got to do this. So I decided I was going to get baptized. Talk to the church. I said, cool. I gave my testimony, and then he was there, and it was really great. It was a really cool time. Um, and it was a good time just to give my testimony. I thought maybe when I went under the water, it was full submersion, that, oh, yeah, now the Holy Spirit's going to come down in the form of dove, and all this cool stuff's going to happen. Didn't happen. Um, but <laughs> the good thing, and amazingly is, is I was able to act in obedience to God, get baptized, and to uh, proclaim his goodness to all those around me despite sharing my own testimony. Maybe I'll share my testimony here one day, too. <clears throat> All that to say, it was wonderful. So, if you're doubting about getting baptized, get baptized. Let's say you've got one of those cases. Oh, this is one of those big ones. You've got one of those cases where uh, you were baptized as a child, and then you walked away from the faith, and now you were, for example, many times this happens, people are baptized in the Catholic faith, and then they grow up and they want to become evangelical and so they, they feel God's needing them there and so they want to do that and they want to get baptized again. I personally see no issue with that. Um, I know one gentleman, he goes out and he goes for a swim every day and every day he goes for a swim, he baptizes himself. He gets out there and he finds a branch and he just starts baptizing himself. He says, you know, I repent of this, I repent of that and I just die to myself and let Jesus come back to life in me. You can say, well, you can't die multiple times. And yes, that's true. Um, nonetheless, and I don't think this is something we need to be doing, you know, all the time, like making multiple professions, but I think the, the function of baptism, one, is to say that we have died to ourselves, we are letting Christ live in us. Two, um, we are trusting that God is, is now alive within us, and we're repenting of our evil works, and we're beginning to do good. And three, we are trying to um, proclaim who is Lord to all those who are around us. And so, I think that's the public function of baptism. That it is a public thing. It's not just a private thing. It's a public thing. We're professing to all those around us that Jesus is our Lord and Savior. And we are uh, coming out and leaving behind the things of the world. Nonetheless, I think it is important to wash up every once in a while. <laughs> I think there's times where the world will get stuck to us. And we lose our way. And we need to repent of that. And maybe it's not necessarily a baptism, but we do need to repent. We do need to be washed cleaned again. Even though we have died when we profess Jesus as Lord, we are still alive in this body. And we are in a process of, we have been saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. And so, in this process of, we are being saved, parts of us are dying off. And we want to wash those things away. And so, if, if you feel like you want to make a new 
public profession that Jesus Christ is the Lord, I don't see a problem with that. I think that is okay. Um, but it means that, hey, this is, this is a once and for all. From here on out, this is the real deal. And so I think that's, that's a big thing. Not to take it lightly, but to be like, hey, this is, this is the deal. I'm serving Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I guess that's why I kind of want my daughter to wait a little bit as well. So, and, and that's the thing. So, that's baptism in a nutshell. Uh, there's a lot there. Again, there's been a lot of division over this topic. I don't think that's what God really wants us to do. I think the devil wants us to be divided. His name means divider. He's out there to get us divided. So, let's trust God. Let's uh, trust in his grace, not in what we can do and how we do things, but let's trust in what his grace extends to us. Now, let's extend that grace to those around us. Be good. Follow the Lord, trust in God. He will provide for you. We just, uh, even this moment, just lift up a prayer for everyone who's sick with coronavirus, not just in this country, but in the whole world. We pray your mercy over them, and we pray that your uh, kingdom would reign over their bodies and bring health to them in the name of Jesus. We pray for a stop of the spread of the disease, and we just want to lift up as well all those who um, are suffering because they don't have access to the resources they need, whether food or anything else. We pray that you would watch over all of us and help us to provide, help us to be a light in this moment, doing good and being the light of the world, providing for all those who are sick, who have needs, and that we would be the salt and light in this moment. Go out, be church, do good, show Christ's love everywhere, without boundaries, without limits, without fear. Amen.